Pattern Shift presents Wake of the Wanderer, an audiobook serial podcast by Benjamin Camphouse. Chapter One The expert cannot see as the novice sees. The expert sees possibilities unfolding toward the horizon. Her mind grasps only the threads that might be realized. The novice has not yet glimpsed these. They are behind the sea of mistakes that clouds his vision. But the expert can no longer see those mistakes. She has learned to look past them. If the rules of the game change and the mistakes come back into play, she will not notice. This is why one cultivates beginner's mind. We all become experts at our own patterns of living, miss possibilities, lose flexibility. But this practice is, in most respects, about seeing past the filters we have learned over the course of our own lifetimes. Evolution made us experts at living on Earth and under its sun. That expertise is wired into our genes. How will we see past the possibilities of our distant home? How will we see as beginners under other stars? Victor Goto, the notes of Victor Goto, renouncer of Onary Station, Juvenilia, compiled by Elisa Carlos stood under the sun and focused on its warmth. He could feel the heat map on the surface of his skin adjusting. A simulative layer reacted to his attention, its procedural mechanisms working to keep up with his perception. The act of noticing was all it took to conjure in this place. He walked to the shore of the obsidian beach, clumps of black sand crunching beneath his feet. This was the site of the great battle, the place where Victor, the first renouncer, had been confronted by the other. Carlos had been cast into this part of the dream world by chance. He had come here to meet with Asami, but given this opportunity, he would delay linking up with her a bit longer. Other renouncers had walked in Victor's steps before, finding traces of his resolve or the memories of Owen or the other untethered he had stitched together. None had yet surfaced any sign of the creature Victor had reported encountering, but when any renouncer found themselves here, the strands of memory cast throughout the shore demanded attention. Carlos now felt that call. That time was so long ago. The memories had been tossed by the sea, broken into smaller fragments, worn smooth, like the grains of sand that made up the beach. Carlos examined those pebbles of memory, opening himself. Sensory recall came first, the smell of rust, the feel of air blowing through him and chilling him, hairs standing up into goose flesh. After he had a foundation in those scattered sensory experiences, he ventured out, constructing a map from raw perception to language and self-reflection, and began piecing those atoms together into conscious awareness. The awareness was anchored in its own long-gone present. It was like standing inside a ghost. The sensory overlay warped. He was looking through the lens distortion of another's memory. The area had changed little, only the waves were off. He could switch his view back and forth from his present to the other's past, though with a little difficulty. Like shifting between two interpretations of a visual illusion, he couldn't hold both in mind at once. Wait. Something in the sink was off. The tint of the sky above the waves, its color was wrong, the blue too deep. The clouds he expected were ridged and contoured, they looked like chunks of ice. The source of that image was neither in his present nor the overlaid past. 
He only glimpsed the misalignment when he switched perspective. A sense of warmth seeped through him in those moments, like the tingle of electric current heating him with its wrongness. That warmth. He had never felt anything like it before. If Asumi were... He was pulled suddenly at the thought of her. At first he mistook it for the usual signals wired into his body, back in the hospital where they were dreaming. But it grabbed his conscious awareness and jammed itself into his inner monologue. Yes, go get her, return here. He jumped, breaking from his walking meditation both mentally and physically, then tried to snap back to the thread that had just hijacked his thought. No, don't lose it. He could feel the compulsion to find Asami still pulsing through his mind, now rooted in his own thoughts. He had delayed and was overdue to meet with her. He scanned through his thinking, trying to unify the past and present he had grasped earlier, to find where the thread had pulled at him. It had been like having another renouncer present. Victor? His voice rang out through the beach. No answer. Asami would be waiting for him. He turned his attention to the task of locating her, feeling the small tingles of sensation that passed from the waking world into his awareness here, turning, turning, northward. He took a moment to see if he could find that pull again. Nothing. North, then, he ran, his legs lengthening with each stride. Asami made her way south along the stone cliffs that lined the coast. There was a clear break between the ridgeline and the tufts of land that seemed to bob under the sea waves to her right. She sat a moment, dangling her legs in the air from the top of the cliff, and looked over the patterns of filmy moss that dotted the stone anywhere it was exposed to the sun. She turned back to her task. She was here to meet Carlos. She sank into monitoring the sensations in her own body, searching for cues that might point her in his direction. A sound echoed like war drums across the landscape, jarring her out of her meditation. She stood up, saw a figure sprinting toward her in the distance. She had no time to prepare or process. It was Carlos, and he was already here. Something, someone, was active on the south shore. I think it was Victor. He turned, not waiting for a reply, already running back. She followed him, running automatically, increasing the length and muscle contraction capacity of her legs, hanging just back into his left. She ventured into Carlos's awareness, found a strand of it regarding her, ensuring she was keeping up. Otherwise, he had poured all his effort into leading her back to the black sand shore to the south and the recall behind why. Asami had never felt Carlos so shaken. They were on a routine excursion, a series of sleep cycles spent on Viscania Prime's surface instead of Oneri Station, where the renouncers made their home. Each subjective night, they would don the wires and electrodes, link the IV on their ports, and fall asleep. They would wake up in the dream world, here, and find one another. They had journeyed together this way many times before, and thus far, at least in her assessment, nothing out of the ordinary had occurred. Carlos was starting to slow down. The cliffs before them became more uneven, then turned into a series of boulders, eventually giving way to stretches of black sand. The coast was lined with ripple marks, the glassy sand reflecting back the blues and reds of the sky. Carlos stopped a short way into the sandbank, and Asami passed just behind him, carefully monitoring how he was directing his attention. She could place him precisely via proprioception, as easily as locating her own hand. She could feel the sensation of his foot on the rock, thinking through his sensorium at will. He regarded her with that same prudent curiosity in their connectedness, 
honoring certain boundaries, ignoring others. This was the mindset all renouncers cultivated in their practice. In the dream world, to find and work with others of the order was to encroach on the personal space of one another's minds. This was but one more thing to be renounced. The privacy that comes from being a mind to oneself, and any illusion about what goes on in other minds. They were melded now. Carlos was cultivating a relentless focus. Asami responded by stretching her awareness outward, monitoring all around them a shimmering, periodic curiosity that illuminated their nearby surroundings. In this work, they were like the satellite arrays the machines had set in various orbits through the Viscano system, a network of lower-resolution sensors locating anomalous or interesting phenomena, and a focused lens shifting its aim and uncovering their detail. Carlos was backtracking his own steps, a difficult task in the dream world. The landscapes of this place were imprecise, their impact on perception was rough and fluid, realized only through the act of traversal and observation, projected from some lossy, unknown medium. There were monuments and features of the landscape that the simulation deemed important in its way, and once these were seen, you could then make direct progress in their direction. But their objective now was a shoreline. The specifics of the coastline and its infinite fractal dimension would vary on each encounter by a human observer. Their best hope would simply be to walk as much of its length as they could manage. They were looking for the fragment that had spoken to Carlos earlier. Asumi could feel his recall play out again. He rummaged through it, cautiously appraising its veracity, and turned back to the thoughts he could scan from the beach, like sand through a sieve. This was that beach, then the place where Victor had confronted the other. She knew Carlos would not be the first to have felt a fragment of the first renouncer's memory here. The work Victor had done in reconstructing the minds of the untethered had only been matched by the effort of Lisa Hahn and his successors. They had finished what they could of what he started, saving most of those who remained untethered after his disappearance. Walking the dream world, you could still feel the echoes of that time pulsing through you. But in his work, Victor had encountered something else, something of which Elitza and the others had found no trace. A creature, an alien, many believed. At least, most of the renouncers were convinced that a genuine alien encounter was the source of Victor's account. One observer, no witness, no remaining evidence, but they knew the efficacy of Victor's techniques, the clarity they produced, even in this murky world which captured their dreaming selves. Still, no one was infallible and no other sense had found a trace of anything alien. Maybe the alien, assuming it did in fact exist, left no residue in the dream world, or perhaps it had just been much better at cleaning up after its own thoughts. Asami was now fully linked with Carlos, opening herself to his memory and perception, immersing herself both in his earlier and present experience of the place. He could feel the sense of otherness, the trace separating it from himself, and now she could too, There were familiar sensations, grains of sand between the toes, the roaring of waves diminishing to a background hum after repetition, a sudden breeze blasting salty air in time with the waves breaking on the shore. These were human sensations. Inside that, though, something else. The red sun warmed them, but, digging deep into the residue, they felt a different kind of warmth spreading through them, heating them. They were standing at the shore, had felt some basic human comfort there between the warmth of the sun and the rhythm of the waves. But now they felt dissatisfied, dried out. A longing for other comforts emerged. 
It took offense at the directness of the red sun, objected to the effort the musculoskeletal system exerted as it stood upright against gravity. It wanted to retreat from these hardships to which the human body was habituated. That longing again, as if being pulled under the water, being immersed in the current and jetting away at high speeds was the most natural, comforting thing in the world. Like wrapping up in a warm blanket, a pure, carefree release of active doing. Here. That was it, the word formed in their minds, the first renouncer. A victorness was there, its resemblance to the memories from his era was unmistakable. Carlos had felt this character to that thought earlier, had matched it to sensations of victor he had encountered before. He had not hallucinated that pull. It beckoned, it had a purpose, small fragment that it was. Follow this. Carlos and Osmi probed each other to confirm that the other was willing that brief hesitation was a formality. This was what they were here for. They followed. Victor's fragment had urged them south along the edge of the shore. They had followed its nudges as though they were hunches they both shared. As they turned or moved around, a subtle satisfaction or dissatisfaction would rise within them. This thread of victor had been woven into them as if it were an additional neural input wired to the stomach's sense of fullness. If they focused their attention on the sensations, more concrete words or images would come to them. But it took time, as if that thread were manually tapping out a binary signal over a wire. They were at the shore's outer edge, on an outcrop of rock, looking down over the sea. Tall waves crashed against the stone below. Go, Victor again. Asumi explored it, felt its earnestness. They were both skeptical. She could feel Carlos raising his guard. Into the sea, they would be swept away. Asumi opened her perception more, feeling her way behind the urging. New images began to appear in their minds, a pocket of stone, a sandy shore, a tunnel, and beyond that, darkness. Sounds echoed coming from an ingress. It was below the rock they were standing on. Go. Asami and Carlos pulled their thoughts. It could be a trap of some sort, that alien, mysteriously absent since Victor's encounter. Could it have captured and reshaped him, using him or some thought or intention it had learned to mimic as a lure? What if they became untethered, their bodies left mindless, as those in Victor and Elitza's era had been? It seemed the only real risk to consider. There were dangers in the dream world. These would lead to discomfort, pain, terror. Many forms of hardship were possible. In the end, though, the dreamer would wake up. They would recover in the waking world and eventually return here when they dreamt again. But maybe it was a fallacy, Carlos considered, to frame this in terms of their existing expectations. This active, disembodied thread of Victor was something new. The risks to which they would be exposed could also be new. The situation was entirely out of their ordinary context. If it were the other, the threat might be much more insidious. It could infect their minds, reshaping them into its unwitting agents, sleeping inside them, waiting for just the right cue. Asami was feeling out the details they had to work with, exploring the disposition such that she could discern in that fragmented urge from Victor, considering what possibilities were open. 
She could feel no hostility. I think we can merge more. Her unconscious was at work already. She and Carlos were wrapping around one another, manifesting fins and tendrils that extended from their now-shared body. They were becoming an inhuman composite, a melding of two that might hope to navigate in the water. If we can find a spot where the current is just right. Yes, yes, I can lead. It was, had to be Victor. What could be contained in that fragment? It had been obvious earlier it was more than a memory. There was some process of his that was still active, but how much of him could be encoded there? It had direction and purpose, but little else, like finding someone's appetites and plugging them into your brain's signal processing with the rest of your body's inputs. How much could you trust the appetites of someone good-natured? Was any of that good nature in the appetites, or only in the now-absent parts that restrained them? We know the way. There was something else hidden inside Victor in that urging. The earlier sensation replayed, a memory, falling into the ocean as though it were a warm blanket. Trust. As an all-understanding, Carlos began and Asami finished. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. The novel, Wake of the Wanderer, by Benjamin Campos will be released sometime in November 2019. The album, Wake of the Wanderer, by Pattern Shift, is out now. Thanks for listening.